Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunderland Preview Show. We come to you a little later this week after a run of three consecutive defeats. Left me and us feeling a little bit down and in the dumps. Um, I'm sure you all feel very similar to me, like I say, but thankfully we've got a great guest for this week's preview show to cheer you up a little bit in the form of the excellent Chris Reeve from Talk Norwich City. Chris, um, delighted to have you back, mate. I actually delayed this week's podcast just to have you back. That is some some honour to be bestowed, mate. How do you feel? Bless you. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I'm. It's... It's an honour. It's worth putting in the in the trophy cabinet, just like the friendship trophy that, of course, Norwich older Sunderland uh, fans will know that that they compete in against the mighty Norwich City. Um, so yeah, may, maybe I'll put that one in the trophy cabinet, Graham. Thanks for having me on. Right next to it, um, it's got more trophies than Newcastle, I guess. But there you go. Um, <laughs> Things have changed a lot since we last chatted. I like to listen back to the preview shows to remember what the devil I spoke about. And things have changed that week, let alone um, since then. But of course, you know, there's there's plenty to get into. But we'll start from the top. Um, whilst we were getting beat at home 5-1 um, by Alex Neil, you picked up a really mightily impressive 3-2 win at Millwall. Never an easy place to go at the new den. How was the performance? Yeah, I, I can't lie, guys. I'm, you know, I, I remember when I spoke to you last time. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm always quite apprehensive going into a game against Sunderland. Um, obviously, it goes without saying, you know, sleeping giant, huge club, great supporters. Um, I've been chatting to a well-known Sunderland fan, Michael Bowers, about this all season long. You know, you guys are so unpredictable, and that's such a um, such an advantage in the championship. We had that with Daniel Farker's first season. You're full of confidence. Um, obviously, when you play at the stadium like in the championship with your fans behind you, that's such a good advantage. Away from home as well, the away support, getting back to those championship grounds after being in League One. So um, I'm always apprehensive. However, to answer your question, um, we are absolutely on fire. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. We are doing so well at the moment. And the reason why I'm so confident is that we've gone from being so mentally fragile under Dean Smith and the records and the statistics speak for themselves. Basically, if we concede it's game over under Smith, you've gone on and you've won the game. If you've won it by one goal, great, but normally it's by two. However, David Wagner's come in and he's waved his wand about and he's performed his magic pretty much immediately. Don't get me wrong, there's been a couple of disappointing results. Um, Burnley at home, we lost 3-0. We, we were blown away by Burnley, but to be fair, they're Burnley. The second one is Wigan away. They were bottom of the league um, and we drew 0-0, but we didn't lose. However, I think we're now, this is going to be our, I think we're on a six game unbeaten run. If it's not five, it's six games unbeaten now um, at home. And there's been a huge belief shift in the supporter base. And I know full well that at Carrow on, on Sunday, the atmosphere will be just absolutely fantastic. And the Norwich fans are full of confidence. Um, and I have to admit, if I was a Sunderland fan, I would be worried about this one. Um, right, we'll start again. Um, <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Um, it's just, do, do you know? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? Is that I looked at that result for for you boys, and I'll try not mm. to bring it up so much because I know that you're probably still stinging from it, and I know just how much that will hurt you. And the reason why I know that is, of course, Alex Neal has done that to Norwich before when he went and managed Preston. 
um, he, he's beaten us and it, and it stings. It really does sting. So, so I understand that. But to lose in the manner that you did, and I'm sure your fans will will, will actually side with me on this, is disgraceful. Um, and obviously you'll be looking for a reaction um, against us away from home at, at the weekend. But... I just, I, I would, I would be worrying if I was a Sunderland fan, and it's such a, it's such a, it's such a big blow. Like, even if you do beat us on Sunday, I just think after losing in the manner that you did against Alex Neil, who I know is very much like Marmite to the to the Sunderland fans, I see that as such a big hit in your playoff push. I really do. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that you could still get into the playoffs, but after that defeat, even if you beat us. I think that might have derailed you guys. I'm sorry to say, I've got so much respect for Sunderland. Obviously, you know, Alex Pritchard plays for you and, and you know, I, I res- and obviously we, we signed Bally Mumba from you. So I've got lots of respect for Sunderland, but yeah, um, that's me being honest and frank. <laughs> no, I think I think it's fair and I think there'll be a lot of fans that, that agree and I think there's reasons behind it. And then and you look at our run of fixtures, not only is Norwich away a really tough game, I, I do kind of mirror a little bit what you feel on the opposite side. And not just that, we've got Sheffield United at home after that. Then I think we've got Burnley and we've got like this horrendous Ooh. run, Luton at home. So it's, it's yeah, that's exactly how we all felt. Stoke was like the one where you're kind of like, oh, hopefully. But, um, you know, that's an awful run. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um in reference to, to, to Wagner, though, as you said, that's a, a really big result. Even just looking at the last result at, at Millwall, it's a really tough place to go. I think they've only lost two. We were delighted with the point and it was gritty and they were a horrible team to play against. But it, a lot of that upturns come from from David Wagner. And we'll, we'll come on to Dean Smith and a bit more onto that. But obviously we have to start with him because he's the most important thing. He came on on the 6th of January. He's made it a marked improvement in form. Um, but you watch the team every single week. I don't. What has he actually changed? He's changed a lot. He's changed so much. Um, and even in just a basic form, he's just injected them with belief. Even away from the from the tactics and the personnel, he's injected belief. And it's so important. And obviously results help that. And it's that snowball effect, right? You get more and more confident with every game you go unbeaten and every game that you win. Um, you know, we've always had the players, right? But, you know, under Smith, they were played out of position. Um, they were low on confidence. Um I believe some of them were poorly man-managed and David Wagner's come in and he really likes to play with wide men. Um, He really likes to have a holding midfielder that can set free an attacking midfielder, not two that sit deep. And the way that he plays in terms of like trying to find the, the, the spaces in between the, the, the midfield and back line of the opposition the way that he wants to get crosses into the box, um, you know, and, and also it's, pro- it's proactive football. Like it's not just pretty prancy football for the sake of it. Like there's so much talk about, you know, this possession based stuff, but what I like about David Wagner is it's not just possession for the sake of it. He's very, very keen for us to get the ball forwards as soon as possible and put the opposition on the back foot. It's so, in my opinion, it's actually relatively easy to play against a possession-based side because actually if you want to pass it, this is the thing that, that Dean Smith beh- hid behind for, for many, many weeks at Norwich City. The back four would just play it out, out um, between each other, centre-back to left-back, centre-back to right-back, etc. And then it would be, oh, well, we kept possession, we had more possession. Well, yeah, in ineffective areas where it doesn't matter. And so David Wagner switched that straight away. 
Penny McClellan, and, and this is the big thing, right, is since you would have last played us, you are going to be shocked by at least two players, but probably three, to be honest with you, that have been a complete revelation under David Wagner's management. One is Kenny McLean, an industrious midfielder um, that has been a scapegoat in recent seasons that, um, you know, has been pretty inconsistent for Norwich, but it's still been, you know, a very, very, you know, good, solid player for us. Um, and he has been outstanding the Scottish Iniesta we've now nicknamed him or at least I have and what he's done also is Gabriel Sara who we signed from Sao Paulo in the summer big price tag for Norwich City we don't spend we don't spend the amount we spent on him but we've spent it upwards of 10 million pounds all right Norwich City are a club that need players to hit the ground running and when Gabriel Saro first came in, we were like, oh, no, not again. We signed a, what I would call a green banana, someone that isn't quite ripe yet. You can't eat them just yet. You need to wait for them to ripen in the right system. He's instantly got Gabriel Saro firing. I've said it in our last podcast on Talk Norris City, and I'll say it again. I think he's the best player in the league, hands down, already. And I think you'll see that on Sunday. If you look at his goal against Millwall, it's it's a goal of the season contender. Um, the, the skill and audacity to pull that off is, is just absolutely outrageous. And then the third one, which no one expected, um, but has been a big, big uh, boost for Norris City, is Onel Hernandez. Onel Hernandez, we signed... Um, Back when Daniel Farke was in charge, he was one of the first sort of, um, I guess, if you like, you know, key foreign players that we that we signed to 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 really just take the championship by storm. An absolute beast of a winger under Daniel Farke in the Premier League, and also then under under Dean Smith, they they perceived him as not good enough. They pushed him out on loan, but he didn't have confidence. He didn't have game time. He wasn't playing in the right system. And now we play without and out wide men. And he's in a system where he's got that link up with the attacking midfielders. He's now creating lots of good opportunities for us to take advantage of. And um, I think it's now five assists in the last four games, um, scored a couple as well. So when you've got players that have been cast aside all of a sudden, giving you eight to nine out of 10 performances, that's a really good sign that it's going well. Um, and 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 a lot of these Norwich players, Graham, they're, they're all out to prove a point. And a lot of those Norwich players, I think it's nine players we've got in Norwich City that are going to be out of contract at the end of this season. So what happens? They fight to earn a contract. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not listening to this bollocks of, oh, you know, we'll always be professional, yada, yada, yada. No, 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 no you definitely go up a year if you're fighting for a contract. And so it's all playing really nicely into Norwich's hands. And we're now in the ascendancy and we are definitely on a playoff push um, for sure. And, you know, this Sunderland game is the second of um, four big games for Norwich City to see whether we've got what it takes to, 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 to do something special. We've beaten Millwall. They weren't. Um, they hadn't lost since September at home. You guys know how tough that one is because you got that 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 big draw away at home at Millwall. Not to be underestimated. We've then got you boys. Obviously, this this Sunday, massive game in the playoffs for the majority of the season. Very impressive, Sunderland, and the way that you've gone about this championship campaign. Then we've got Blackburn, and we've got Sheffield United too. And so, all of a sudden, if we can be taking points, these are all six pointers, Graham. <laughs> so. It's a hell of a match on Sunday. There's a lot riding on it for both clubs. I think Sunderland need to win it to stay in the the fight for a playoff place and Norwich City need to win it 
um, as well to keep up my, our momentum to not just not just hopefully you know get into the playoffs, but who knows, maybe even have a tussle for the for for the second spot. It's a big ask, but we're still in with a shout. Yeah, absolutely. And, and form, there's always one team that surges through at the end. As we've, I think it's a cliche these days, and it because it happens, but. I tell you, the thing that worries me most, you can look at results and stuff like that, and I haven't watched Norwich as much as I probably would have liked to over the past few weeks, but when you look at stats and you, you look at things, I'm like, all right, they got beat off Burnley. All right, they drew with Wigan, which you mentioned, and he didn't score then. But taking that aside, since Wagner's came in and taken the cup game out of the equation, because it doesn't really matter, um, six wins and nine, I think it is, but perhaps even more telling, 19 goals in nine games, which is an average of 2.1 goals per game. So, look... As Michael Bowers will tell you, he loves a clean sheet. For me, I'm different. I think goals win games. Um, how much of that improvement has come in front of goal for Norwich? Massively, massively. And, you know, we're not trying to, as I say, this pretty prancy football for the sake of it. We're we're picking up the ball. We're having a go. We're forcing a save. And, you know, again, you know, you look at the players that, that can take shots from distance. Marcelino Nunes, who we signed as a bit of a wild card. He can score a free kick. He can score worldies. I'm not sure if, well, you would have done. Any football fan um, that, that watches the championship highlights would have seen Marcelino's absolutely outrageous goal the other week, um, you know, where he, where he hits it on the volley outside the box. Gabriel Sarah likes a shot from outside the box as well. Norwich City don't tend uh, to, to do that. And so now we've got this confidence. Yes, we've, we we can do that. And of course, that 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 old fella up top from Finland, Timi Puki, is still here and he's still... But he's he's still teamy pooky, right? He's he's an absolute monster in the championship, and and so, and this is the thing that you know. This is where I think Sunderland have been desperately unlucky. It's my understanding that you've had a couple of injuries up top, um, particularly to Stewart. That's a big loss. We we've we have a, a series on our channel um, each, each week uh, called the Warm Up with former Norwich City player and, and West Ham legend Dean Ashton, and Dean Ashton highlighted it, and he said, look. Sunderland have done so well, but effectively because they've lost their attackers to injuries, it's, it's actually really hurt their season. I don't know if you agree with that, Graham, but the only negative I can see from a, from a Norwich City perspective, we've still got a mistake in our back line. We are quite fragile at the back, but given given the injuries to, to Sunderland's forward line, I'm, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be confident going into the weekend because that's the only sort of weakness I think for Norwich City is that We've got a mistake if you put the pressure on us. If you can give it full guns blazing, put us on the back foot, our centre-backs can make a mistake. But but if you've not got um, your best forwards on the pitch, it's going to be a mightily tough ask. The problem is we haven't got any forwards on the pitch. Sorry, Jogger, right. but I think you're a number 10. Um, yeah, you're right in what you're saying. And look, it's a conversation that... Sunderland fans will have known that I've had before. I think we shot ourselves on our own foot by not signing a striker in January when Stuart did all the injury. But yes, there is an element just for balance of bad luck that Ellis Sims got recalled. Um, and then yes. Ross Stewart gets injured for the second long-term injury. And for me, Ross, Ross is one of, if not the best striker in the league. And, and that's always going to be missed regardless. But I wanted to bring back ever so slightly, sorry to remind you of it, uh, the Dean Smith situation, because obviously we spoke about him um, last time. I think you were a bit on the fence last time. I think Norwich in general were a little bit on the fence with him. And it, I don't know, from the outside looking in, I think he's a good manager. I just don't think it ever like sat right, probably because he was on a hide and nothing to begin with, with the fact that you're probably not good enough. Well, you weren't good enough to stay in the Premier League. That breeds negativity. Then you kind of start asking questions. And we all know how that snowball effect works. But 
I felt like there was a breaking point this season from the outside looking in with Dean Smith. For you, where was that breaking point and why didn't it work? Because in, in principle, it's not a bad, it wasn't a bad appointment, really. Well, um, first of all, I understand why we made the appointment. Okay. So we in our first season that we got promoted to the Premier League under Daniel Farker, we were naive. We weren't streetwise. We were easy to play through. But, and and I think rightly so, we wanted to try to do it our way. We wanted to play entertaining football, attacking football. We wanted to do it the Norwich City way. We wanted the story. And I think that's very admirable. But the second time you go up to the Premier League, you're making the same mistakes again. You've not signed players that are streetwise, that... Um, that haven't got Premier League experience, that are, as I've said already, green bananas that can't hit the hit the ground running, that are too young as well. You know, that's 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 a big, big error, a grave error, and it's and it's not good enough. And so Stuart Weber, our sports director, then goes, Yeah, this isn't working again. Um, we need to change it. We need to bring in a manager that's going to make us more structured, that's going to provide that that element of, you know, becoming streetwise, that's going to defend more that's going to see games out when we're on the up because we need to be grabbing every single point that we possibly can when you know Norwich City are down you know bless Delia Smith and Michael Wynne Jones's heart they're, they're now down to their last peanuts right so we we have to be we have to take every single point possible we're practically begging for points in the Premier League so I get why they made the appointment and I also understand why they kept faith in him. Norwich City keep faith in their managers. And again, I'm proud of that. I think that the way that modern football works, I mean, Watford, obviously an absolute disgrace on that front, you know, hiring and firing managers, it's absolutely ridiculous. And you can never truly impose your style um, and your ideas upon a team if if it's just literally hire and fire within a few months. So, but but... We we went on a relatively decent unbeaten run at the start of the season under Dean Smith this season. I think it was five games and things were looking up. But then it all started to crumble away again. I think it was paper over cracks. The signings um, weren't being utilised in the right way. And the turning point for me was we were on a really poor run of form going into the World Cup break. And they decided to keep Dean Smith and let and let him have the opportunity to have a warm weather training camp at, in Tampa Bay in America. Um, that was the point where, in hindsight, they should have they should have probably changed it. So David Wagner had that opportunity to really have that. I think it was three, maybe even a month, wasn't it, for the World Cup of um, of time on the grass with the players to imprint his ideas, but they didn't. If we had done that. I think we will be in the top two by now, to be honest with you. So a lot of Norwich fans are like, oh, for God's sake, we should have done it earlier. But that's my thoughts on Dean Smith, and I agree, and I think you're very right to observe. Dean Smith is not a bad manager. He's just not the right manager for Norwich City Football Club. You know, some managers just don't sit right. They just don't really go well with the club, with the vibe. Dean Smith had only literally just been sacked by Aston Villa as well, and he was straight into management again. I think that was a grave error on his part. I think he should have had longer out of the game. Um, so, yeah, there's my take on it. But, look, I, th- I think it was a pretty boring, bland period of Norwich City. He's probably one of the only managers where I can't highlight a single game where I'll look upon it fondly. Like, and, and, and with every bad manager, there's always one game where you go, oh, do you remember that goal or that game where we tonked them 3-4-0? It never happened under Dean Smith. There wasn't a single one of them. So, 
to be honest with you, pleased it's now in the history books and fully aboard the Wagner wagon um, and feeling much more optimistic again. And you mentioned that. I imagine Sunderland fans are sitting there thinking, ah, yes, Philip Parkinson, the 5-0 win over Tramia Rovers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you remember it. Um, last time we played each other, we didn't have a manager in the dugout because he went to watch <laughs> Stoke instead, which is nice of him. Um, but nonetheless... <laughs> We have changed. Things have changed. And last time we were on the podcast, we had no idea that Alex was going to do that. So we spoke a lot about management and obviously him being the former Norwich manager and, and yada, yada, yada. We changed, I think, about the Monday or the Tuesday when it was confirmed he went to Stoke and, and Tony Mowbray came in. Look, it's not been great over the past few weeks. I get that. And I think in balance, it's it's hard to be balanced when you're a fan of any club. You go by the most recent results. But from the outside looking in, obviously that was one of the, the weirdest times of the season for Sunderland playing without a manager that was still a manager. But what have you made of Sunderland's reaction? Um, it's like to sign in Tony Mowbray and how we've done in the season, take out the last three weeks. It seems okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, genuinely not just saying it. You, people that watch the TNC podcast will know that I don't compliment opposition teams. I don't like to do it. Um, I really despise some of the tin pot teams that are in this league. Sunderland is the stark opposite. I cannot wait to play a team with with history, with heritage, with a with with soul, with spirit. I can't wait to play Sunderland on Sunday. Um, I, I, so I've got a lot of respect and time for Sunderland. Again, to mention his name, Michael Bowers, a well known Sunderland fan. I've got a great connection with him, and um, you know, I, I I think that. It was a great appointment for Sunderland. I think Tony Mowbray did very well with Blackburn. With they didn't, they did spend, but they still were limited in a sense, and they were still exiting a difficult phase in terms of their ownership. And so, I think it was a very wise appointment for Sunderland. The question mark now is: you'll be looking at what happened at Blackburn and how they always tailed off at the end of the season, thinking, "Oh no, is it happening again at Sunderland?" I, I think Sunderland will do very well to, to keep their faith in Tony Mowbray and to hold your nerve, to give him another season at least. I spoke to many Sunderland fans and I'm sure there'll be people listening to this going, Chris, we just wanted to survive in the championship this season and look where you are now. And I'm pretty sure I came on this podcast saying, I promise you, you will be up in and in and around the playoffs. And I, I've been proven right because of that point, you know, unpredictable. Um, you know, you, you you play good football, in my opinion. You are more attacking. It's, you know, if you score one, we'll score two more. That's how football should be, right? That's why we all love football. We don't love football to park the bloody bus and eke out nil-nil draws. And and so, yeah, I, I'm, I've been impressed with Sunderland. I think you've had some big results. Don't get me wrong, you've had some disappointing ones too, but that's only because it's your first season back and... I think this could be actually a really good moment for Sunderland as a football club and as a fan base to actually be like, wow, look at the progress we've made. And um, considering the, you could argue the, I know you signed a good handful of players, didn't you, going into the season? But you still didn't spend, you didn't spend an outrageous amount of money. Um, and so I think it's a real positive. A uh, positive time for Sunderland fans and Sunderland fans. I know it's easy for me to say because I'm not a Sunderland fan, but I don't think Sunderland fans should be greedy. And I think that you know, you know, keeping faith in Tony Mowbray and and, and also the club, um, you know, I think is a very very good thing to do. So overall, I'm impressed with Sunderland as I always have been, you know. And I was mightily pleased that 
you know, you guys managed to um, help Ipswich stay in League One for a little bit longer as well. Um, because as you can imagine, I absolutely hate them. So, uh, yeah, lots of respect. Doing, doing, doing very well. Um, I think actually pun- punching above your weight this season with 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 all the love and respect in the world. So yeah, I very impressed with Sunderland. Very impressed. There's two more things I wanted to touch on outside of the prediction, which is just pointless these days because I just get it wrong. I said was said we're doing one now last week. Pointless. Um, I, I kind of hummed and hard about asking this question about Alex Neil because he's gone, he's he's done, and I really don't want to chat about him anymore. But I was curious as to how it felt the opposite way to you last time we played each other because it was such an odd day and like the fact that he'd also managed to use and then he'd left and it was, weird. Like, it was just odd, Chris. It was really weird. Like, and I, and I felt like in a way it was one of our better performances of the season and we lost one nil. We hit the post about a thousand times, I think. Yeah. Put it this way. After that game, I let out a big sigh of relief because you absolutely peppered the goal mouth. You were really impressive. You absolutely at least should have got a point out of that game. It was just one of those one of those games where we took our chance. Um, and I guess defensively we hung on, which sounds weird. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that was one of your disappointing results this season, actually. I know you're saying you played well, but we were shy under Dean Smith. We were shy. You should have beaten us, manager or manage with or without a manager. And so, um, yeah, it was a weird time for. Something. I remember we recorded this podcast, didn't we? And we were like, "Oh shit, we're we gonna have to redo it because I've just bigged up Alex Neil for about half an hour." <laughs> but no, look, I. It was weird. Uh, it was just a bit of a, a wacky result, wasn't it? And maybe a maybe a bit of a learning curve, Sunderland, that game really, mm-hmm. um, because it's one of those instances where. You absolutely, ha- I know you have to take your chances in every league, of course, but that was one of those ones where, you know, you just didn't take your chances. And and, and that that means less points, right, um, in any league. It was a weird period for Sunderland, though, and I would maybe just put that that result in the bin and that moment in the bin and move on. Um, but yeah, as I said at the top of this one, I, I think... If I was a Sunderland fan, I would be seriously stinging from that last result against Alex Neil Stoke. I really, really would. I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I send my my deepest, sincerest condolences because there must be a lot of Sunderland fans that have been really hurt this week by that. So, yeah, I can't really comment much further though. I don't know how you've managed to get through that. To be honest, I think all I would say is that when. Obviously, I messaged you to ask when you could do it. And obviously, time's tight. And you said, how about Thursday? And I thought, oh, four days off. Brilliant. No time for four days. <laughs> look, let's, look, let's translate this from a North City, to a North City perspective, okay? That's like when Paul Lambert left for Ipswich. And I know mm. there was time in between. But, you know, Paul Lambert at the time, you know, he was admitted into our Hall of Fame, right? We did the double bounce from League One to the Premier League. He did what no other man, no other Norwich manager has done in years and kept us in the Premier League. He 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 left the club because we didn't show ambition to sign Christian Benteke, who he went and then did with, with Aston Villa. So we held him in high regard. He then goes to Ipswich. Okay, that's like Paul Lambert then coming to Norwich with Ipswich and beating us five one. And I mm-hmm. and I tell you now, I don't. I I, I really I, I can't imagine the the pain that that would have done to the Norwich fans. I mean. Luckily, they're Ipswich, so they're they're always easy to play against and beat comfortably. So um, it, it was a, it was a very easy affair. But yeah, to translate that into the North City world, I, as I say, be getting beaten by Alex Neal's Stoke and it's, and they're Stoke. 
yeah. stoke, aren't they? Like, come on. It's not like it's it's not like it's, you know, one of the better sides in the league. They've been hanging around the relegation zone all season. I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry to talk about it, but it's poor. Oh, it was minging. It was absolutely minging. Yeah, and you're right. Um, and the worrying thing is, as I move on to predictions, I feel better talking about Sunderland. I'm kind of ready for the game. I'm not confident about the game. And I think, I mean, I'm talking as if like last week has influenced it and it kind of has, but also your form as well. I think last time we, we played you, weirdly enough, we won 3-1 and then had the worst season I've ever remembered in my life. But I think it'll be the same scoreline this week, the other way around. Um, mm. You're scoring goals. I think we're capable of scoring a goal, but not a meaningful one. It'll probably come late. And I think I think you're I think you're a good team. You're hard to stop. I think the biggest thing for me when we played it earlier in the season, and I know things have changed a lot, was the strength of your bench. I mean, I know Cantwell's obviously moved up here to, to Rangers and whatnot, and but like Pookie and Cantwell came off the bench that day, and you've got players of similar ilk that can come off and do a job. So I I, yeah. I want to be positive, but like I, I want to get a prediction right for once. How are you how are you guys at scoring set pieces? Horrendous. We haven't scored one in the league this season. Right. Okay. Well, again, that's okay. I think. <laughs> well, that's another weak spot, right? I think mm. Millwall scored from two set pieces against us at, at, at the Den at the last weekend, um, and so actually, no, one wasn't. Sorry, um, one was a defensive calamity, but the other one was a set piece. That's another weak spot. Um, so I, I would agree. I think we're still a little bit fragile at the back, so I wouldn't be surprised if you did score. The thing for this may be a bit cliche. For me, it all depends on who scores first. Mm -hmm. If Sunderland score first, it could be a draw because you'll see a response from being spanked by Alex Neil Stoke. Sorry to say it again. However, if we score first, and I've not said this all season, I think it could be three or four nil. <laughs> because, because honestly, guys, I, I haven't seen us this confident and this good in a long time. Um, so Sunderland must score first. So if I was to, you know, give Tony Mowbray some advice, which sounds weird because I obviously want you to lose miserably, is um <laughs> is I would say as I would say, go all guns blazing at the start of the game, try and score a set piece or try and get a you know a lucky deflection or you know try and and I know I'm, I'm talking like we're man we're Man City. We're not Man City, we're we're quite easy to score against. But that's my point. Be proactive, be attacking. If you have a good go at Norwich and try to um, silence Carrot early on. You'll do you'll you'll do well in the game. But if you concede first, if I was a Sunderland fan, I'd be considering getting an early bus home. Yeah, I normally say things like it's always quite interesting to listen to the opposition podcast after the game because I feel quite similar to you. I don't know whether I should promote your podcast, but I'll do it anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But, but 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 can I just say I know I've just been quite cocky there. I I just want to say it again. I really respect Sunderland as a football no, club, you do. as a fan base. Um, you know what you've done in recent seasons. Um, so yeah, I I am I am cocky in this. I am confident in this. But I've got a lot of time for Sunderland as a club. So um, I promise you, um, I'm not one of those knobhead fans that is uh dis dismissing it and saying it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Sunderland will give us a bit, a really good game on Sunday because they will want to show a reaction. They'll be fired up. But there'll be, a, obviously, the, there's a difference in quality. And I think if anyone wants to listen to the previous podcast, you 100% echo what you've just said there. You obviously do have tons of respect for us. But where can we find your stuff? Obviously, it is really good. And I told you that last time, you know that. Um, if you want to listen to the Talk Norwich City and all the other stuff you do, where can we find it, Chris? Thank you. That's so kind. I appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're at Talk Norwich City on Instagram, on Twitter. 
Talk North City on YouTube. Um, we we host a, a podcast called the TNC Podcast. We speak to all sorts of journos and current and former pros. And um, yeah, if 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 Sunderland fans for some reason want to check out a North City podcast, then feel free to come along for the ride. We get carried away. We're ridiculous. We're, we're silly with it, but that's what football's all about: having fun. So yeah, we're, we're Talk North City and. If you um if you want to chat to me after the game, it's at Chris Reva on Twitter. Um, you can chat to me after the game if you lose. However, if you win, you will not hear from me. I will go silent and I will not respond to any Sunderland fans. <laughs> I'm going to get little clips of all the things you've said on this podcast and just fire them out. <laughs> I won't do that. Too much time consuming. But Chris, always got to chat to you, mate. I know you've been a busy man. Um, I somehow managed to speak about Sunderland this weekend and hopefully, hopefully you have an awful, awful Sunday. But um, I'm sure we'll still speak afterwards, mate. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thank you so much. On the Bull City. 